Welcome to Making Metric Easy, presented by Outlaw Technology. I'm Hans Dietrich. And I'm Bree Oaxaca, and each week we speak with the companies in the trenches of the seed-to-sale process. And today on our show, we're very excited to have Samantha Seagard, co-founder of The Fresh Connection, a Massachusetts premium craft grower. We also have Dave Eagleson, CEO and founder of Outlaw, who wanted to sit in because we know he's a big fan of The Fresh Connection. So <laughs> looking forward to it, Hans. Looking forward to it. So Samantha, I know a lot about your, your, your past. You've told me how you came into the industry, but for all of our listeners out there, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the industry and how long you've been doing it. Oh, loaded question. <laughs> I've had many, many reasons for getting into the industry, I guess I'll say. Most prominently, my dad passed away when I was nine. Um, so growing up, I was very angry, I'll say. <laughs> and I found cannabis was a very good way to deal with my grief and all my anger. Not as a nine-year-old, please. <laughs> but yeah. He also died of pancreatic cancer. So came to come to the realization that cannabis really could have helped him. Later on in life, I found out that he had some cannabis charges. And for that reason, I think he avoided using cannabis when he was sick because he didn't want to get in trouble. He had little kids. So for all those reasons, I thought, wow, this is really cool that this is coming online. He was also a pharmacist. So... Wow. Kind of in the same vein of helping people. And I came from this, you know, I basically moved from New Jersey to go to college in Oregon. When I got to Oregon, I realized cannabis is legal here. This is crazy. It's been legal medically since 1996. And that really intrigued me. I was in college, so I kind of took a back seat on the weed thing for a little while and then as soon as I graduated my friends from college invited me to go to a trim camp I went to my first trim camp in California and saw just how terrible the industry was it was just so much waste so much dirt so much literally the guy in charge said don't pack out anything we leave all the trash we sell the property with the trash that's how it is here and uh that really really annoyed me i thought you know if these people are making all this money off of mother nature they should be giving back to it not destroying it thought to myself if this guy can do it i certainly can and i'm happy to say he is no longer in the industry there are a lot more bad people like him in the industry that need to get flushed out though so uh going legal was kind of a way to prove that you know we're kind of rising to the top it's a lot it's really easy to cut corners and you know in the black market there's no testing there's no nothing so that's where we learned first medically black market gray market and then we moved on my brother was going to college in Massachusetts, so he kept coming and visiting me at college in Oregon and being like, holy shit, this is crazy. It's going legal in Massachusetts. We need to do this. I grew my first plant when I was 15, and I actually forced him to water for me when he was very young. <laughs> so, um, so I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Wow. So 
quite a while. Uh, so my brother and I have always worked together since we were little. You know, I sold Girl Scout cookies. He sold popcorn. We were always making our rounds on the streets. I, I grow and sell weed together. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Quite the story. When, but, when, did yeah. you, when did you and Will, Will is uh, Samantha's brother, by the way, when did you guys start the Fresh Connection? How long have you been in operation and how big were you when you started? Was it just you two who started it or, or how did you? So I started the Fresh Connection in Oregon as a medical company maybe 10 years ago. And I sold to a bunch of dispensaries in Oregon. I actually had two or three tell us that our product was the fastest moving flower they'd ever had on their shelves. Um, we just had a couple strains that like they would get it and it would sell out in like a day or two. And I'm happy to report we have some of that going on here in Massachusetts now. So that was about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more, maybe like 12 and um started as just a 10 lighter actually one of the girls who i went to trim camp with is from massachusetts and she had an indoor grow and asked me if i wanted to take over her partner's position and buy him out and she would teach me the tools of the trade the tricks and how to grow and i said let's do it so i'm curious just on the trim camp concept i'm just kind of intrigued so is it just, hey, the crop's ready. We just got to get a group of people, hit it, trim it, and get out? Is that what I'm understanding? Yep, pretty okay. much. Um, it's just, it's crazy in California. Like, you get there, and that's all anybody is doing. Yeah. So, you know, these towns are virtually completely dead until it's trim camp time or the summer, and they have people out there. But for the winter and stuff, it's just... A dead zone. I mean, you've got to understand these people who have been trimming our flour for decades. There's no water. They don't have a way to wash their hands. There's no restroom. Like, there's no shower. Like, it's an hour and a half down a dirt road. You know, you're lucky if they have teepee for you and water. Like, it's just wow, interesting. (laughs) So it was just very eye opening. (laughs) <laughs> well, like I said, the cannabis and, and Hansel alluded to this, but, you know, metric made easy. Again, a lot of people like metric is a structured system, but at least everyone follows the same rules. Like you said, there's a lot of product coming out of the gray market or black market, however you want to term it, that, you know, it's just of not tested, not great, great quality. And it's just quantity. I mean, it's refreshing to have you guys, people in the industry that are making good product, getting stuff out that people actually care about that, that they can enjoy. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, yeah. I think uh, one of the big mistakes that Oregon made, and I'm sure they'll want to argue with me about this, but um, just opening up the hemp industry, you know, it they just really, I mean, what they've done to the entire industry by doing that it is just... The 7-Eleven Delta 8. Yeah, you can get, you know, in Oregon five years ago, you can get a hemp license for 1300 bucks for unlimited square footage. And you could stack three addresses under one filing. So for $1,300, you could have three different addresses with as many acres as possible. How that made any sense, considering THC is so regulated, like, you know, it should have been a tiered system. If you have one acre, it's this price. If you have 10 acres, it's a damn price. But no. So basically, they just opened up 
this huge can of worms and coming from Oregon, I know like there are big, huge cartel operations. Like my old testing lab was offered, I think a million dollars cash to freaking just say all their shit was good when it was all hot. So he was like, I can't do this, but thanks for the review. And like, that's just go, it's just, that's going on down there. And yeah, yeah, we'll see. That is one nuance I don't think a lot of people outside of cannabis understand looking at, you know, the individual states is, you know, it's a very unique industry in that each state is its own island, you know, and I'm sure that that came into play when you guys were looking at, do we want to open an operation out in California or uh, Oregon, or do we want to go back to the East Coast? Uh, There's a very clear difference in how those states operate. Um, Yeah, what's been what's been your experience? Why? Why settle on Massachusetts? I know you mentioned your brother was out there, but. Well, we actually bought two properties to go recreational in Oregon, and thank God we didn't. We bought one property, and then they changed the zoning, so we weren't able to convert that space. And then we bought the second property. It was a farmhouse outside of city limits, had everything we needed. We jumped through all the hoops. We had all of our friends from New Jersey and Massachusetts come out. We hand-dug a acre fence chain link fence around the whole property we installed security systems we got the um the odor check and all the engineering done jumped through all these hoops spent so much money and then after all that oregon's like okay great and now you have to wait an undisclosed amount of time and we were like what does that mean what does that you can't not have any kind of ballpark and they were like we have no idea like 500 applicants however long that takes and um in that time we got hired by (laughs) very interesting but we actually got hired by two different farms one which was owned by a a bunch of people in china (laughs) who make led lights and they basically have this farm to test out the lights and write everything off because it's a lighting company and then the other farm was owned by Jay-Z's diamond dealers. <laughs> so like quite a juxtaposition, you know, the one, the diamond dealers are like, spare no expense, get whatever you can for however much. And then the people from China are like, okay, we're sending everything back to China. We're having them make our pots work. They literally would outsource even the, um, even the grow the manager of the facility was outsourced and was someone in China and you had to call (laughs) to China and have them order everything. So it was, it, we basically just got an eye into two totally different socioeconomic classes trying to deal with the same issue, which is having a profitable grow. And uh, both of them could not. (laughs) And we did sales for both of them and, you know, stuff that we were getting, 2400 for the year before they were having to sell for $400 $300 like this stuff you can't grow it for that price no so um, they're just losing so much money the one thing that people really don't take into consideration is the fact that electricity is not the same across the United States it's very cheap in Oregon compared to Massachusetts it's a lot more expensive so of course, the packs coming out of Oregon are going to be cheaper because it's cheaper to grow it there. And there's a lot less risk. Like the police presence on the West Coast is virtually non-existent, whereas here you drive down the street and you see police. 
that's not that way on the West Coast at all. Yeah, just the risk to reward and. So when did you when did you and Will start up in Massachusetts? And how long have you actually been growing and now actually selling a product there? Will and I have started this project in Massachusetts maybe ten years ago, kind of when he graduated seriously looking for spots maybe seven years ago and i was flying myself and our third partner zach back and forth we were coming here every couple months looking at places meeting potential partners meeting potential investors so it's been a very long time of going back and forth and planning and a million people telling us like we're crazy and this is never going to happen um and we were just didn't listen to the naysayers and just kept trucking along. So we purchased the building, I think, four years ago, have been trucking along. We still had the farm in Oregon, so we did hemp there for the past three or four seasons in the interim while we waited. After we did the sales for the two other farms, OLCC, which is the Oregon CCC, basically called us and we're like, okay, you're up. It's your turn. And we were like, We've been waiting for two years. I've been doing sales for multiple places. This market is not worth our time anymore. Like maybe two years ago, but you guys waited way too long to give us an answer. So even though we had spent all the money on all the, you know, hoops, basically, we decided to put that on the back burner. And, you know, what people don't understand is while we have a thing going here in Massachusetts, we're still tying up all the loose ends from Oregon. So it's like such a bigger thing even than just Massachusetts. Like it's been our whole lives for a decade um, going back and forth. And yeah, so, and then in terms of finally getting licensed here, I think we got our first okay in May and then we got our final okay in September and we're finally able to do sales in September. September of last year. Yep. Yep. But we've had the building for like four years waiting for this. So it's. (laughs) So when we first started working with you guys and you only had two or three people working, then I recall you started out just with a handheld, you were auditing plants. And then a few months after that, you got the OG harvest system. Uh, What were, what were some of your biggest challenges and pain points before you got outlawed? Just have, how are you doing it? Were you doing it with pen and paper or how are you reporting and recording everything into metric? So basically, I mean, as I told you, we've been planning this for seven years. So we knew that we would have to implement something. So basically, before we even started, I reached out to you guys and said, hey, we're coming online. We need this. Um, so the first maybe two harvests, we didn't have it yet and we did it by hand. You know, it's just very time consuming and it's so much easier with the harvester. We would never look back. (laughs) It's just, I don't know how, I mean, we're a small facility. We're only harvesting 270 plants at a time, but some of these bigger places with like thousands of plants, I don't know how you would possibly write it all down. (laughs) Um, Not to mention you do mess some up when you do it by hand. So it's nice to... Just know this was correct. <laughs> and I've seen in some of your videos how you're also using the handheld, the Desperado handheld, to track all your seeds and 
inventory them and make sure that you've got all that straight as well. Yeah. So basically the handheld was what first drew me to you guys. You're the one who told, taught me about the OG harvester. Um, so I had seen the handheld and heard about it. And basically I've been collecting seeds for the past 10 years. So I came in with like 195 different seed packs. And then you read, you need to inventory everything once a month. Well, inventorying 195 seed packs is a little time consuming, <laughs> especially because they're all in, you know, they're all in brown bags. So you have to look at every single little number and it's very time consuming. So it's like fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. So that's why I originally got the handheld. And then now that we found the OG harvester, it's great. And all my employees love it. So we still don't have a lot of employees. And, you know, the people who actually touch the OG harvester is just myself and one other person. So it makes it easy. Yeah, we've really tried to make sure that our tools are, you know, they make they make the technology accessible, right? You already have the metric tags in there. You might as well take advantage of the technology and save yourself the labor and get the efficiencies. Right. Yeah, the nice yeah. thing for me, actually, to hear from you is the fact that it's, you know, you are small, smaller, right? Not an MSO, you have a single facility, but you're getting the value, right? The whole hope of what we try to do is build the system so that someone with like three people versus 300 could use it. You know what I mean? Because I see even what I would say people that are more focused growers, you know, trying to get, you know, a better a better quality with maybe lesser numbers. It's not about, you're not trying to be the Miller Lite, you're trying to be you know, that, that higher end product, right? That, that, uh, four pack, that's $20 that my kid buys for beer, you know what I mean? Versus a Miller Lite that he gets for nine ninety nine for a 12 pack. So right. you guys are focused, I think more on the quality, which again, from our perspective is always helpful that, you know, you're seeing the value in it with just the, how many people do you have actually? Um, we only have like 12 people and three of wow. them are part time. So we really, that's impressive. To- we really try to do everything on as little as we can. You know, that's that's a really big issue with the MSOs is they just have way too many people doing everything. And then you come to find like three people are kind of doing the same thing and everybody's kind of doing it differently and nobody's communicating. <laughs> so yep. you don't yeah. want you don't want redundancy when you're trying to stay lean and mean. Exactly. So let's let you know everybody there cares about the plant, cares about the product, which is what this is all about. I mean, one thing, you know, and hanging out with you at uh, the Flower Expo a couple of weeks ago in Greenfield, and I was just impressed how many people came up to you, knew you, knew that you knew what you were doing in this industry. And every time I hear that you've gotten your product into some of your products into new dispensaries in Massachusetts, I'm excited for you guys because you know. There, there. People are, are you're, you're getting a name for yourself there for real. Thank you, thank you. We got into a couple new places this week too. So Congrats. that's awesome. Yeah, thank you guys. You. you guys have quite the library of strains, correct? Do you care to? We do. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot, a lot of strains. Well, like I said, we did hemp first, so we did a lot of CBD stuff in. Oregon. Actually, now something new that we have coming down that we're about to start harvesting tomorrow is we have, and I haven't heard of anybody else on this coast doing it, we have some THCV strains coming. 
THCV is a very little known cannabinoid. It's found mostly in African land strains, and it is the cannabinoid that suppresses appetite. So whereas mo- like a lot of older people don't want to smoke because they're afraid of getting the munchies. So this was something that we thought could be interesting to bring to market and see how it's received. Literally, nobody else has ever grown these seeds. So the people, Oregon CBD, who we got our seeds from growing hemp, now have ventured into other cannabinoid space. So they, their first release of these seeds, we signed up for and got some. So to my knowledge, we're like the first people growing them. Um, I might have to move to Massachusetts. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious how you market that. I mean, how do you get like, look, I just learned, re- you know, the CBN is good for quote unquote sleep. You know what I mean? But it takes a while to kind of get the message out. How do you get that to like the consumer? Like, you know, yeah, like Hans said, I'm trying to lose weight. So maybe I need to go to Massachusetts. But my point being is you're right. There, there's got to be a, a way for us, the industry. I mean, people, the everyday customer, patient, whatever you want to call it, um, to know that. Is there a way you're reaching to these people? Is it the Instagram or what do you see as helpful? The Instagram, I feel like I'm being targeted by the MSOs. Like, I think that they see I have a big following. So anytime I'll post anything that's even slightly again, you know, their policy, I'll just get a million, like, I'll just get immediately shadow banned. Wow. Uh, I don't think it's the coincidence. I 100% think it's the MSOs doing it. Like, they have millions of dollars. They have billions of dollars. If they see someone like us who's causing you know basically is making waves yeah is taking their shelf space from them um they're not gonna like that and we just heard from another person who's bringing us on that they're knocking an mso off basically to give us their spot and they're not gonna be happy when they find that out it's what people want they don't want mso weed because it's all rushed to production so it doesn't taste good and it also doesn't have any of the health benefits which is our whole point is that you know while it might be recreational it's being used medically whether you want to pretend it is or not we really strive to you know preserve those cannabinoids and those terpenes and really seek out things that people aren't doing so we have some cool new breeders that I've collected a bunch of seeds from. Some of my favorites are Archive Seed Bank out of Washington, Oregon area. Tiki Madman, he's out of Michigan. Um, we have some, we have some stuff out of Colorado. But yeah, we're just trying to get stuff that people don't have. If we see it on other people's menus, we won't pop those seeds. Um, we're really looking to do something new and have have different flavor profiles like if we have one super sour strain we're not going to pop another one we're going to pop a blueberry strain or a lemon strain so right now we have a very blueberry strain that's our truffles we have a lemon strain that we just harvested called lemon cane we have a super diesely strain that's our that's our moon bow which is from archive <laughs> nice um, we've made these cool little strain cards we had, oh, and then another big thing that we're doing is we want to do kind of a Trader Joe's methodology where they get people really hooked on something and then they just drop it. And that's kind of what you have to do. That's kind of what you have to do in a garden, yeah. you know? So, so like, Trader Joe's does that all the time. They do it all the time. 
Yeah. So apple fritter, um, a, a lot of people have it, but I've also gotten a few comments on LinkedIn. This is my favorite apple fritter I've ever smoked. And that was actually from a buyer of a store who then came in and made a $15,000 order because she liked our apple fritter. That being said, we still cut the apple fritter the next week after she made that order because that's just how it is. You know, we have something new coming. So just trust us. <laughs> well, I think, I think I, again, I'll speak for myself. I'm a neophyte in the industry, right? I come with a data RFID background. I'm not the, like you. you. You're an expert, to be quite honest. But I'm learning every day. What I find is, is people my age and I'm mid-50s, it's just they, we don't know. I have neighbors asking me, like, what should I try? What should I do? I'm like, I have no idea. So, I mean, I think the education you speak of, things like, you know, hey, you've got a strain that actually appetite suppressant or something. Those are things that I think this industry, the interesting thing for me is it's almost like creating brands like the coming out of Prohibition. You're going to have a Jack Daniels, you're going to have a Jim Bean, but you're going to have something high-end, real expensive liquors too. Cannabis is following something similar in my mind. It almost feels like we're getting educated, we the industry, I'm talking people, uh, you know, in markets. Now that Maryland's adult use, it'll be interesting to see if people start demanding certain products. You know what I mean? Like they get disseminating pallets. I mean, there has always been people that know what they want, but I'd say it's the minor, you know, it's a very small group like yourself that really know the products. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, I, most, most of us know nothing. I mean, would definitely agree. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's very much the case. I do the pop-ups as well. Um, so I'm on the front line seeing the people coming into the dispensary and most of them, you know, that's one thing I stay to every dispensary don't have too big of a menu you know it's like mm -hmm. when you go into a diner and you get a 10 page book and you're like oh. yeah i could eat this i could eat that i could eat factory. yeah yeah exactly um so it's like keep it small direct them to the good products and 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 as a small grower we really need to go out and do the legwork of who are these who are these people what are these places like the person, you know, coming out and doing the buying could be cool, but if everybody else is terrible, then it's not going to really help you move your product. Yeah. So, and then you come to learn that, you know, sometimes even the people running the shops don't recognize that their clientele eventually will catch on. And they're just like, oh, they'll just get whatever I give them. Yeah, yeah, to some extent, but those people will also go back to their old dealers and go back to their old connections if they don't like what you have or the price you have it for. So, yep. Yeah. Samantha, I know um, you're also very involved in the community, in the cannabis community in Massachusetts. Every time I talk to you, it seems like you've got this event going on, you're going here the night, you're doing the pop-ups, you're everywhere. Is that one of the ways that you're... What's your advice? I guess what I'm asking is, what is your advice to others looking to come into the industry just to get to know the community? You've got to go make those connections and that's the best way to do it is just get your face out there and your product out there. Yeah, I mean, I think you really have to do the legwork. You know, the thing about these giant MSOs who we're basically up against is they're paying 10 people to go to every event to talk their stuff up. So if you're not there... You can guarantee they're all there. <laughs> so every event you don't go to is more opportunities you're missing out on. It's, you know, you can tell yourself all you want. Oh, I'm not going to meet anyone. But 
what I do at every event is I just set like a small goal, like meet two to three people who you actually might do a sale with or who you might actually, you know, hang out with or want to get to know more because they might have something cool going on. So it's just like setting realistic goals that are attainable and not being totally totally disconnected from reality which i'm sorry to say but basically all these mso's are completely disconnected from reality and how much weed is actually being sold and how much canopy you need to grow the amount of weed that people are buying so i mean the shocking thing is just all the places still coming online and it's already you know people are fighting for shelf space people are going out of business and then there are huge places coming online that don't even want to recognize that there's only a certain amount that can be sold yep. at one, one time. <laughs> and yeah. that's the bottleneck. <laughs> one of the so, key things know. one of the key things, you know, we realize everybody knows this, is basically you're gonna have to keep your costs as low as possible in order to do well. You know, a few years a year or two ago, you're getting much more per pound than you are now, even in Massachusetts. Massachusetts is Massachusetts is still doing better than a lot of the other states price-wise, but uh, we're happy that we're able to help people like you and your brother who are craft growers who care about the plant, and we're hoping that we're helping you keep your costs down because we're helping you automate a lot of this stuff so you can continue to work with fewer people. Has that, has that been your experience? Definitely. You know, um, I can leave and do my inventory check and my seed inventory check will only take me 20 minutes as opposed to like three hours. <laughs> so, you know, we own the company. We're just on salary. So we don't pay ourselves overtime. Shocking. I know. But uh, <laughs> if if we were employees, it would cost a lot of money to pay for all these inventory checks every single month. And, you know, I'm just doing the seeds and the vault and the drying room and the other vault, but our grower also has to do the veg and the, both of the flower rooms. So it's it's time consuming for sure. It's like and a whole thing that it takes up. Yeah. And then the harvest, it saves a lot, a lot of time. Like, so when we first started, our first harvests were my brother, myself, and our third partner harvesting 270 plants by ourselves writing everything down i think it took us five or six days it was wow. miserable and um and now with three no with like five people and the outlaw we're able to maybe seven people because we have like two groups of two hanging so with like seven people in the outlaw we can do it in one day it's a big change. Yeah. So, and it's a really big change because we only have one drying room. And every time you add more wet product, all the drying product gets wet again. So yep. it's really just, and for metric sake and the harvest lots, it really is all supposed to be done in one day. Yeah. So it makes it a lot easier metric and making the packages and everything. So it's way, way better. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Well, we're so glad to be able to help you. And again, 
you know, one of the great things that working here at Outlaw is, you know, we have these tools and, you know, we put them in the hands of cultivators like you and we get to see firsthand how it helps you, how it saves you time and again, keeps you, you know, efficient and accurate. And, you know, that way you can focus on doing what you're best at, which is, you know, managing your plants. <laughs> I, I like it because when we go to trade shows, they don't run from us. They actually yeah. give us a hug. They're like, nope. oh, you guys help me. Oh, you guys have been helpful. So it makes you feel good because you feel like you're doing something. You know what I mean? Look, this is a necessary evil. The states want to know the data. And I say necessary evil. I think it keeps a level playing field. If everyone's tracking their plants, everyone's weighing them. You know, otherwise, you know this, you're going to have plants that are going to go out the back door. That You know what I mean? You've got to re- get this industry under like you brought up early on in this discussion, under a legal framework, testing, is it safe? Is it, you know, what you said it was? Because otherwise it's back to the days of, hey, this week it is really good. I know last week wasn't good, but this week it's really, you know, you're like, yeah. you got to get out of that phase. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> One of the biggest things we hear is because of outlaw, they're able to get, people are able to get home on time for dinner every night. And that is, I think, one of the reasons we get hugs every time we're at trade shows. People actually do come up and hug us, and we like that. So a couple more questions, and we're running short on time here. But Samantha, where is the best place to find you guys? Where can people find your product or find you online? What uh, what information can you give us there? So we are at thefreshconnectionboston.com. Also, the Fresh Connection Boss on Instagram. We also have the Fresh Connection Boss on LinkedIn. That's new. The website is new. We are working on the locator feature. That was kind of a debate, but we will keep going with we definitely need it because we're just in so many places and it's it's hard to, you know, are they sold out? Is it there right now? It's it's a fresh connection. So it's fleeting, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> you got to get all it's good. <laughs> Should I name some of the places potentially? Sure, you can. Sure. If you'd like to, yeah. Name drop. So some of the places we're in, uh, the Healing Center, United Cultivation, High Profile Bodega, STEM, Silver Therapeutics, South Shore Buds, Terpene Journey, Lazy River Products, which we love, Lazy River, Panacea, The Vault, Orange Cannabis, Bud Barn, Ready, Great Barrington Dispensary, Cosa, Ideal Craft Cannabis, Rooted in Roxbury, 253 Pharmacy, Heirloom Collective, Haven Center, Capeway Cannabis, Temesco Wellness, Potency, Full Harvest Moon, Society, Boutique, Kind Run Delivery, Flower and Soul, Pure Oasis, Canna Craft, um, a couple more we just got into this week, Escar, Eastern, and did I say Society? I said Society. That's a lot of show. And and Delivered Inc. is our newest delivery out of Worcester. So shout out, Ruben. <laughs> well, we, know, yeah, we know, I'd say we know both of those guys. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Brandy, we're going to finish up uh, with the question we ask everybody who comes on the show. Our favorite question, Samantha, is to always ask our guests, who is your favorite outlaw? And it can be living, dead, fictional, nonfiction, whoever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Annie Oakley. My mom always used to tease me about Annie Oakley and <laughs> her good shot. And uh, 
did a little research on her. She actually taught herself to shoot as a way to take care of her family when she was just 15. So very, very similar kind of story we got going on here. (laughs) And then apparently she joined um, like Buffalo Bill's show or something and yeah. allegedly we're, we're related to buffalo bill so i don't know but apparently oh you're the second coming <laughs> yeah so <laughs> you got the degrees of separation to annie oakley and to beyonce so i love it <laughs> and lucille ball apparently <laughs> and i love lucy awesome well yeah. thank you samantha i'm sure well, we'll be talking soon Really appreciate you guys having me on here. If anybody ever has any questions about uh, Metric or the Outlaw or the Harvester or anything, feel free to send me a message. Instagram, I'm Samantha Sensi. That's probably the easiest way to find me. Or I'm Samantha Seagard on LinkedIn. But uh, yeah, I'm very active on Instagram. Right now, I'm kind of just doing the stories and not posting as much because I'm constantly in in uh instagram jail but uh <laughs> i guess it's better than metric jail right so <laughs> that is true we'll keep you out of the metric jail please yes <laughs> yeah so thank you guys Han, steve Bree. you guys are all so awesome love Thanks, your method. technology and yeah looking forward to it you too have a good one Thank you, everyone, for joining us. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or the Cannabis Radio app for iTunes and Google Play, as well as subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and be well.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.